I'm starting this episode slightly differently. And um, firstly, I just want to say thank you so much to every single one of you who's taken the time to listen to the podcast um, up till now. And also, I do not take your attention lightly, honestly. Um, I really appreciate uh, that you're you're giving me your time and uh, listening to this podcast. So uh, I need your help. Um, a real goal of mine is to make this the the go-to place if you work in the recruitment industry or if you're interested in the recruitment industry to learn from others. And the best way for me to do that is to listen to my audience. So I need your help um, with basically providing me with what you want me to cover. So um, if there's any particular topics you want me to go over, please do get in touch. If you, there's any particular questions uh, that you want me to ask the future guests, then please do get in touch about that as well. The best way is probably on LinkedIn. So if you don't have me on LinkedIn already, Uh, please do send me a connection request I'd love to hear from you and that's Hisham Azuz on LinkedIn and as I said I want to keep on on the topics I want to make sure I'm talking about the right things for for you guys Um, and the best way to do that is to listen to my audience so please 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 if you do have the time um, get in touch I would love to hear from you the Recruitment Roller Coaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Aziz, and today I'm joined by Andy Simpson from Hinterview. Thank you for joining me, Andy. And um, a bit chilly this morning, isn't it? It's a bit chilly. Well, it's coming. It's one of those weird days, isn't it? Where it's, um, you know, you leave the house in a parker and then you jump on a train that's absolutely rammed and, it's, <laughs> you, know, you're, you know, you're sort of flitting between heaven and hell. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed one. But no, yeah, thanks for coming over. Um, My pleasure, I mate. think. As you know, where I always like to start, which which I'm always curious about, how uh, how did you enter the recruitment industry, mate? How did that happen? <laughs> Would you want the whole story? Or yeah, the, yeah. I'll, I'll give you give, the, it, give it to me. Give it to you. Uh, so, well, I'll give you the abridged version. Go on. Um, so I um, I'm from a place called Stoke on Trent, nice. which is not famous for much um, apart <laughs> from the birth of the industrial revolution, of course. Love it. But um, but but it's famous for um, it um, it was the birthplace of a company called Phones for You, okay. which once adorned every proud high street. Yeah. Um, so I left. Um, I left. I moved to London. Came to university. Got a job selling mobile phones. And nice. and I guess this is like. 99 2000 right so I, I sometimes describe it as like the wild west of mobile phone sales <laughs> so like people were getting that you know people were flocking to get their first phone yeah, yeah. So, so my first taste of sales was like there was a queue of people out the door and i was like sales is fucking easy man. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally just waiting outside like you call them in and sell yes. them a phone so i was my so i had this really positive experience of um closing of, of, deals yeah exactly confident ma- guy making money all that yeah, stuff yeah. well i think you know maybe sales gave, gives you a bit of that doesn't it yeah sure and then left you know i got a proper job um so i went to work as a um like a junior economist for pricewaterhousecoopers okay um and then i did that for a while and then it you know there was a i just yeah it was time to me it wasn't for me and and obviously there was um you probably you know a lot of people probably won't remember it but there was a a series like if enron was like the the kind of main course of accounting scandals okay mci worldcom was like the starter and around the time i was working for pwc that was kind of engulfing the industry so the company that i was working for was kind of broken in two and and then i um i decided to um to, to do something different met a guy at a barbecue in yeah. Streatham yeah. who I don't think to this day he has any idea how much of a profound impact he had on my yeah. life who said oh you know you've done a bit of sales you've done a bit of consulting you be you should work in recruitment and then um, so the dream bastard um, <laughs> <laughs> he's out there um, and that was it really I um, I did a load of interview got a rec to rec did a load of interviewing uh, got some offers joined a company called um, Huxley Associates yeah. which almost people have heard of part of the S3 group, um, and never looked back. Yeah. So what, what was your, um, what I'm also always intrigued about is like, did, so did you have any perception of recruitment before you had that conversation or like, what did you think it was before you spoke to the rector? Um, I don't know whether I should say this. Um, is this really offensive thing to say? So I, when I first heard about it, um, I thought it was a girl's job. <laughs> um, and I know Why? that's, that's really, Why? well, because my, when somebody said, you ever obviously there was no internet. Well, there was internet, but it was like, I mean, it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that's just crazy. Like you wouldn't, when he said that, normally you just go straight on Google, right? What's this all about? Right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so hardly any internet really. Um, certainly websites told you absolutely nothing. Yeah. And then, so, so for me, it was like that my understand my, my understanding of brands in the recruitment sector was Brook Street, Blue Arrow, 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. those kind of companies. Yeah. And, and, you know, whether it was right or wrong, when you looked in the window of those organizations, it was mainly, a lot of females, it was mainly yeah. female That's employees, right? That's so I was kind of like, mm, no, nah, that, that isn't, you know, re- recruiting a you know, a temp driver to work in a, yeah. in an abattoir. Oh, yeah, that's just what, the you perception know, you had, isn't it? Absolutely. From what you're saying, and, yeah, then, and then when I went and did um, the, you know, the rounds of the interviews, I was, I mean, I was blown away really by, you know, the quality of people that I was meeting. Yeah, the, fair the, enough. The, the energy, the vibe, it was yeah. awesome. How did it, how did it get sold to you then? Because I think that's also always interesting. Like, was it like, you can earn 100k in your first year, it's like, do you know what I mean? What what was it? How was it pitched? I yeah, there was definitely a bit of that. Yeah. Um, I actually took the job where they were like. So I, I worked. I took. I was employed by a guy called Nigel Fox, okay. who's um, who now, along with two other guys, runs a company called Annapurna, and um, he was he was my first ever boss. And and anyone who knows um, Nigel knows that he's not one for kind of you know overblown statements. Nice. And I think I took the job with them because he was the one that was going actually the first year will be shit the second year will be marginally less shit and then it'll get better from there exactly and so i think i i was kind of you know i'm a you know i'm like a working class lad from stoke right so Mm. i wasn't necessarily you know some of it sounded a bit like kind of nonsense and some i mean there was some weird characters doing the interviewing right yeah you know bit of wolf of wall street yeah yeah, yeah. but but it was you know i think i think mainly it was sold as a you know as a as a a job where somebody who works really hard can do well. Mm. And, and I always kind of thought that I had that in me. So, yeah. so yeah. No, I think I love that. And I think that, that obviously you may have more experience of this when you interview people for your team or if it's for your agency. But I think for me personally, I think that that is a, a big problem when the way it gets sold in that first, first meeting, when someone has no context on recruitment, they meet them and they're like, yeah, right. So you can earn six figures in your first year, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they actually get into recruitment, they're like, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> that, do you know what I mean? So I think I think that that's interesting. That um, obviously the only context you had was through the meetings, and the person that resonated with you most was the person who was probably the most authentic and honest with you. And go, look, you, if you put in the graft, it's going to pay dividends, but it's going to be tough. But on a long term, yeah. it's worth it. And, and and you know, listen, the the, the truth is, in my third year, mm. you know, I hit six figures. Mm. So. You know, it wasn't bullshit and it wasn't nonsense. And it was, okay, listen, you know, yeah, it it was in my third year. But, I mean, I was 25. I mean, it was like, you know, what what do you expect? You know, what what, what more can somebody in their mid-20s really want? You know, And and obviously it was, um, you know, it was a a great time in the industry. It was a great time in my life. And, um, but, but for me, you know, recruitment gave, you know, fulfilled every ambition that i ever wanted and, and absolutely the, the company that i joined made good on all their promises mm. as i did on mine you know yeah, i worked yeah. hard i gave it my best shot i took you know, i gave a shit I, you know i picked mm. up the phone I, you know yeah. i did all the things that they told me i had to do and they did all and they to be fair they kept their side of the bargain mm. so so what what were what were your um i know you mentioned their um third room which is great achievement but how were the first sort of 12 months how tough were they um if you remember yeah so i I was actually pretty good. Was you? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was all right. But listen, not because I w- was had you know loads of natural talent. I'd done. I'd, I mean, I'd done four years of sales Fair at university. Really good ground then. So I, I was kind of. I had some basic skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was absolutely skint after uni. Yeah. I was super motivated. Yeah. And and I worked in a company that was really it was on the up. So mm. I, I think for me. Um, the hard time came probably nine months in okay. where it had all got, it had gone really well. And then I went, and then I had my first kind of like, Oh shit, yeah, like yeah. two months in a row. Yeah. yeah. And then the I was like, times. yeah, then it was like, okay, everything that, you know, just like, I guess you could compare it to the, you know, the strikers drought. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what do I do? You know, you're trying to, then you try and do different things. I'm like, well, actually no, if I just, just make, you know, and it sounds a bit, it is, it is a bit twee to say, but, you know, just get, you know, do the basics well, focus on yeah, the, yeah. the things you've been taught. And, and actually it was all right. But and I, listen, you know, I had a, a good, I worked for a good supportive organization who, who who wanted me to do well and, and it was fine. And I did contracts as well. Right. So the good thing about yeah. contracts is that you don't, you don't. So is that all you did for hundred percent contracts? Yeah. For, for four or five years. That's what I did. So yeah. I only did, um, I only, I only did perm and like now I've moved up to London and obviously I have so much more con. So I used to work in Hayward's Heath and it's yeah, a small yeah. agency, boutique agency, all perm. 
and now obviously moved up to London, worked with Poxo. Like I've got so much more of a wider context of recruitment. Yeah. And the more I learn about contracts, I'm like, fucking hell, why I, I really hope that I was in that or did some of that. Because the only reason why for me is because um, I really doubled down on building relationships and the thought of building relationships with people who you can basically move around and, and help within 12 months, move different places or whatever, you're going to have to have a real tight-knit community of people that you rely on and you can call straight away. That that just, sound, that just sounds something that I, I could have been good at. Um, but that, So did you start in contract then? Or? Yeah, So and, and actually just on that point, I think the common misconception that people make when they enter the recruitment industry is that uh, uh, contracts, high high paced sales and recruitment uh, perm is more about building relationships. Yeah, and it's a longer play and all that yeah. stuff. And actually, I would say the opposite is true because the reality is that you place a permanent candidate and your work there is done. Yeah, and so actually you're then moving on. So yes, you might have a four to six week or maybe even longer, you know, relationship with an active candidate. Mm. Um, but the reality is that once you place them, yes, of course, yeah, you'll you stay, stay in touch. With you'll them, stay in yeah. touch, right? That's but it. Normally, your job's done in terms of the next two, three, four years. Pretty really much, right? And, and enough, of course, yeah. you know, they might turn it, hopefully they'll turn into yeah, a client, yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Whereas contract, the reality is that if you're a good niche specialist contract recruiter, yeah. the idea is you're going to work with a small community of, you know, 25 to 50 contractors. Yeah who should know you, who you are and, you know, everything about you and, and vice versa. And you have the opportunity to work with those people over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah. You're staying in touch with them because they're on assignment for you. So they're giving, they're your eyes and ears on the client and yeah. on the ground and the client. And and so I think that, that was, that was kind of how it was sold to me. And, and, I, and I don't often hear that sold, you know, these days it's like, yeah, contract, you've got to be a phone basher and perm, yeah. you've got to be, you know, the sort of guy that's really, mm. you know, really great at building relationships. And so listen, both, I, th- it? I think it is. Both, yeah. Listen, good recruiter is a good recruiter. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I think, you know, yeah, there may be nuances where you're more suited to one or the other. But for me, I think... Um, I think yeah, I think relationships, yeah, as you said, even more so, just understanding what I do and through speaking to people on the show and stuff is, yeah, as you said, it's the community. You can't build a solid community and serve that community unless you have a relationship, like a really solid relationship with that community. That's you get it. What I mean. and, and, you know, we live in a hyper-connected world and especially more than ever now. Mm. Previously, you know, the phone was your only means of communication. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you had to give it, you know, absolutely tank it. But, yeah, yeah. but today, I think, you know, there's so many channels and... You know, it's about making sure that, you know, I mean, you guys are, you know, you know, I'm preaching to the converted here, but, but, but certainly you've got to start with, you know, pump, you know, some good brand, you know, brand awareness. And then you've got to double down on doing a great job when it, the opportunity presents mm. itself. And so how, um, how, uh, how was your training? <coughs> My how training? In, yeah. 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 How was that? It was great, actually. Was um, it? Yeah. And, and listen, I think, um, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an S3 I'm an S3 guy at heart. You know, that's where I did. I did. What is this, by the way? So also, I've learned this, right? <laughs> S3, obviously. So what, 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 why do you think S3 has sort of been the birth of so many businesses and, and, and obviously successful people? Like, Because obviously, I've only learned that from coming up to... Because, again, I was in my own little bubble. Um, so how, why do you think that is, having worked there? I think... I think I think what S three um, you know so Russell's our chairman yeah. um, Russell Clements and he and he you know he's got um, he's got some interesting insights because he you know he's much more qualified to tell you than I am yeah but I think I think his view is that you know what S three had was a very clear culture and y- you know you either loved it or you hated it yeah the people who loved it they really fucking loved it yeah yeah, yeah? and so. And and so for me, I think that was one thing is that they didn't they didn't kind of melt you know or um, dumb down their culture to accommodate the you know the the low or to to accommodate the weakest performers in the group. Yeah, they weren't scared of a bit of churn. Yeah, I think that you know that was one thing you know which I think I think people are today. Mm-hmm. I think people are, are absolutely freaked out by people leaving. Yeah, um, and that that's that's not good. That's never a good thing. And then I think finally. Um, what it had was a self-governing culture, right? So th- it had some absolutely mental rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the 9 a.m. rule, right? Was, what was that? So if you were in at one minute past nine, I mean, it, you were fucked. You were, you're fucked. Really? Right? Fucked, right? And so, and, and it was, but the thing is, we just, everyone just, once you were used to it, yeah. you, you bought into it, right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. then even if there was no managers around, if someone else walked in at one everyone minute past was mine, on... everyone was on them. Really? Like, yeah, it was Love mad. That. It was mad, right? And 
And, and listen, it, it was potentially on reflection slightly extreme. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it was it was a micro. It actually, that particular rule represented so much about the organisation. Yeah. Right. About standards. About accountability. Accountability. About room giving yourself room for error. Yeah. So if you you know. It was if you aim to get into work at quarter past eight, then you were never going to be late, were you? But yeah, if you were yeah. the kind of guy that aims to get in at five to nine, and then it's like, oh well, actually it was ten past nine, then all of a sudden it starts to it, it all starts to creep, right? Mm. So I think I think the, that particular fucking insane yeah. thing um, really was representative of broader culture, mm. and I think that the, the, what that gave you was discipline and, yeah, and, yeah, and all so that stuff, things. and and so when you're 23, you need some of that. I never questioned it, right? I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. I was like that's I just assumed that that's how the world worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you know, and to this day, I like to get to work on time. Yeah, and, and of course, maybe I'm a bit more a bit more sympathetic these days, but as the um, you know, as the, the you know the you know, the, the upbringing you have, it just forms part yeah, of, yeah. of who you are. So, so, so I think that's, if, if I was to give you one reason, I'd probably say it was the discipline. Yeah. I'm sure there's many other reasons about yeah, yeah. entrepreneurial spirit and that stuff. So um, obviously you, you climbed up the ranks in S3, right? Yeah. So I guess what would be interesting, because you just spoke a bit about it there, but obviously you would have experienced this, but how, how did they, what other things maybe, because again, this is a huge challenge that recruitment agencies face, right? Is keeping that culture as their scale. So, was there any insights that you got into that? Like, how how did they maintain that that culture that you were just talking about as as they grew and and as you climbed the ranks? <clears throat> oh, um, do you know what? I, I I'm not sure that I could tell you the answer to that because I was probably not you know at an influential enough level to to give you any insight. I guess anecdotally, what I would say is that if you get the culture right from the very beginning and it truly comes from the top, yeah, then. It, by definition, it should flow downhill quite easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, you know, the people that I worked for, to a man or woman, lived and breathed the values they espoused. So they told you to get to work for nine o'clock, but they were willing to get to work for nine o'clock as well. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like they told you one thing that they led by example. And yeah. I think actually, culture's actually a really easy thing to get right, but also a really easy thing yeah. to get wrong. But it has to start with the leadership. Yeah. So I think I think also. Um, what you mentioned, which, which I've read and also listened through, speak to people on here, but I think also that culture piece, and I've definitely experienced it here at Hoxha as well, is that the the guys um, that are um, running the ship have to be prepared to to let people go, and and fire people essentially that aren't in line with that culture or aren't in line with that vision what they have. And I know you said um, they weren't afraid of people leaving or whatever, but I think that's also a big thing as well because I've spoken to a lot of people where they should have maybe fired this person or let them go at this certain time but then they stayed and that was even more toxic to the culture and to the business as a whole um so that's something that i've learned which i think is interesting um and what would you say the impact was after the event i've never fired anyone so I don't know. <laughs> no but i mean that well that's actually what i'm saying as a team member oh, right, to okay. see somebody else in your team yeah get fired yeah How i does don't that know make you feel? yeah i know i guess it's like i think you know what i think it depends on i think what's really important is the communication um so communication of obviously the people who made that decision and and having a bit of an insight and going you know what actually I, I think they're right there or i noticed these things and i think also i think also i i think it's a positive thing because it's like right okay these people are serious about building the, the right people and a serious staying true to themselves and what they want to create and i think that that's important for the people that you work for that that you you really sense that especially in a startup yeah. um but yeah, I think what I've heard people say is that there's also amongst people, a lot of people can sort of feel it, but it's not their position to say it. A big sense of relief sometimes, if it's particular individuals. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could definitely agree with that. Yeah, and I think I've heard that people say that. Yeah, and I, and listen, I think as a you know as somebody you know before I was in a in a kind of any kind of management type role, I guess I wanted to I wanted to know that the people that I worked for had the minerals to make those kind of decisions, exactly, yeah. right? Otherwise, you know, you become like a, you know, just a, just a horde of people mm. that, that is why, you know, unaccountable. And actually that's, that's actually when culture starts to, starts to, to drain exactly, yeah. is when the people are, you know, the people in charge aren't willing to, to, to make the tough decisions. Let's face it. You know, if you're, you know, I remember listening to, um, uh, an interview with Jeff Bezos, the chairman of, of Amazon. And he was saying, you know, fundamentally, I am paid to make a very small number 
of extremely, extremely important decisions. decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, and so that's my job is that I might go into work and make one or two decisions a week, but those decisions affect the lives of millions yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's that's the that's probably the reality of leadership in, yeah. in that context is it's not easy. But well, you know, if you don't want that, then you, yeah, know, stick, yeah. you know you don't have to do the job, do you? So how long was you a manager for? <clears throat> Seven years. How did you find that transition? Because that, that's also a really interesting topic, right? Billet, successful billers going into management. Yeah. The thing is, though, mate, I'm, proper, I'm a proper kino, right? So, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I was... I always just, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always quite keen to impress and do a good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a knobhead. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure some of my former work colleagues would, would maybe echo that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, listen, it's hard. I, I probably, you know, was, was a bit over the top in my, in my attempts to make my mark. Mm. Um, I think I struggle sometimes. Did you get any training? Yeah, tons, right, tons, okay. tons. Actually, you know, I think one of the things that 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 probably stands you in good stead is that is that you know S three because of, of who it is and what it is. You know, they do they they, they do invest. You know, certainly, they did at the time. I, I couldn't really speak for them today, but but they they did invest quite heavily in in that kind of generation. Yeah, that's good. And and so so yeah, it, but but I think um, I think also what's difficult is taking over becoming a manager of people that see you as their peer yeah, yeah, yeah. that that was hard. yeah because you know hard. hiring people is easy because you know they they only they they only ever know you as their boss yeah yeah but From then it's like one. yeah and then obviously if, if the reality is things carry on is that you eventually have to start managing others who who maybe felt that they you know you you become their manager when they possibly felt they would have got the nod instead. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah it, it is odd and and i think um you know i i think it was you know but you know, with you know, you you just copy those. I mean, fundamentally, you copy the people you respect, don't you? Yeah. And you, yeah. And you, you do what, that. What's your view of? Because um, I think that there's a big talking point of obviously when you're a successful billion recruit and you, obviously you come to that sort of crossroads, don't you, in your career? Maybe four or five years down the line, you might be thinking about setting up on your own, or you might be thinking about progression. What does that look like? And it's either like I guess carry on cracking on with your billions and take that to the next level or becoming a manager that mm. do you know it's a, quite a tough crossroads right yeah yeah so what, what what's your view and and i got i'm sure you've seen old colleagues and colleagues go from uh really top billions to becoming a manager some people just aren't cut out for it some people are i don't know what, what's your view yeah on it? listen it's hard right because i think there are people i mean i know many who who were really amazing billers who didn't necessarily go on to be amazing managers and vice versa you yeah, know others yeah. who were pretty average billers and who went on to be to be absolutely amazing yeah. managers i you know i was probably actually somewhere in between i was i was a, i was a decent biller but not 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 world class yeah. and, and i think i was a decent manager but probably not world class either yeah. so i think i think i was actually comfortably in the middle bracket i think it is difficult i mean it's a real problem when you get somebody who's who's been in your business for five or six years mm. smashing it on yeah. on on the billing you're trying to you're trying to paint a picture that says hey we have you know we have an op- there is a future here for you even though you're an absolute nutcase and, <laughs> and the reality is how the hell are you going to manage anyway right yeah, yeah, that yeah. is true yeah, yeah. And, and i think typical. listen i think it's typical and i think if you look at i believe passionately believe that to be a top builder in an organization like s3 because it's such a competitive and, and yeah. big business i mean you've got to be slightly selfish uh, yeah i think you've got well you've got to be definitely got to be selfish yeah um You've got to have relentless standards, yeah. and and it's a bit like you know I always think a bit like you know Roy Keane moving into management, you know it's <laughs> never going to go well, yeah, yeah because yeah. he's just going to go nuts at everyone, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know and and so I think there's um, yeah history's littered with with you know with with those kind of stories of you know football's a great example of people you know it's always the yeah, yeah, the yeah. average player that makes a good manager mm. and, and the, the top player doesn't always transition man. well. Um, so before we um, talk about sort of more recent things mm. and, and all that, what. I'm always interested to to ask this question, but if if you was to go back and be able to um, speak to yourself twelve months into recruitment, would, would you say anything? What advice would you give yourself, if any? So, I guess to echo the point you just made, actually, mm. I wouldn't have been so desperate to get into management. Oh, okay, that's interesting because I was doing really well, but I was on contract, right? So yeah. I got up to ten k. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I wasn't, you know, there was quite a few people in my organization. Ten, sorry, I should clear, clarify, 10,000 weekly GP. Yeah, yeah. So making a, you know, making yeah, a gross margin of 10K weekly GP. And obviously, you know, I was really keen to get into management at that point. Mm. 
And so before you knew it, I, like I say, I was a bit of a busy knobhead. Yeah, before yeah, you knew yeah. it, I was, I was, what, what, you know, set in rooms doing PBRs thinking I was cool. Yeah. And actually what I should have been doing is carrying on getting and got myself to 20K. Yeah. And actually a number of people around me pushed on to 15, 20K. Yeah. Now by this point, these guys are making, these guys are probably making three or 400 grand a year. Yeah. Right. And I probably should have yeah, yeah, done that for, for, for three or four years mm. um, and made Ray, made Hey While the Sun Shone because actually I was doing well in, in 05 and actually 06, 07, 08 were really amazing years in recruitment. Mm. And I was fucking about in, you know, with, with <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, tell, you know, and what, and then 08 to 012 was a bit of a disaster. And so I think, yeah, if I had one, if I'm a time, but you know, listen, I don't have any regrets, but if no, I'm no, a time over yeah, again, that would be one of the things I would say is, you know, you've got, to, you've got, you've got to be a master of your, of your, yeah. your, your, your no, trade, no, you like, especially, I guess. At that age you are, and there's a lot of people at that sort of age that get into recruitment. Like, don't. There's no need to rush, right? That's I it. That's and I, was, you know, like, I was in. Patient. I was in far too much of a rush. Yeah. You know, I was in far too much of a rush, and I and I wanted to. You know, I was. I you know, I had some really inspirational people around me, and and I really was like, oh, I'm gonna be. I want to be a. I want to be an MD. Yeah, on his previous. And, and it was all you know, and there was the opportunity existed there, but I think what I ended up doing was sacrificing. I should have. I should have. Buckle, I should have knuckled down, banked, banked a load of cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and but I didn't, and um, you know, and uh, spent my money on. Like, <laughs> uh, you know. So what was it? Um, we were talking a bit before we started this, but what what was it like when LinkedIn came in then? What what was that like? I'm so, always interested around that. God, am I like? I sound really old now. Don't I? <laughs> um, so I think my memory of it's pretty hazy right because okay. it didn't really arrive and it wasn't like a big bang yeah yeah, yeah? Okay. so it's 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 not like um you know it's like a frog in boiling water right um, <laughs> it, it didn't necessarily arrive that on one day all of a sudden yeah, everything yeah, changed yeah. obviously what it you know it was is it a threat is it you know whatever there's always yeah, there's yeah, always yeah, been yeah. something that's going to derail the industry the yeah. next thing that's going to fuck us up you know yeah yeah and i think so it, it it slowly and slowly matured as a platform. Um, it was really not much. It was really much of a muchness for a long time. I don't remember it having, and I remember it being weird that you would find a candidate on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. You got him off LinkedIn. What? Well, <laughs> high five, mate. Well done. Um, and so, not and bad. then, and actually, I was, I was kind of moving into more of a hands-off role at this okay, point. Okay. I was less exposed to the kind of day-to-day realities of where do you find candidates and all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Um, and. Um, and obviously, but but when I noticed it for sure is when I started my own business and got back on the tools. Okay. And then I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, is that I when mean, you started investing a lot of time on it? That was when you, you realized that it was become this all-powerful yeah. deity that yeah. existed, that, that, you know, it was just everywhere. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I think you couldn't. You know, it was it was clear that you know I think they'd um, you know they they really cornered a part of the market, and it was it was interesting that um, that you know you know it's a good example mm. of how change and recruitment. You know, these companies eat, eat your lunch yeah. without you knowing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and so and and you've got to be careful that what ha- what happens is whilst you're busy doing the do, something doesn't come around and, and take you out like mm. like that that not that that took everyone out, but yeah. it certainly changed the game a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think if you didn't react, those who reacted to LinkedIn fastest made the most opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So obviously, as we were speaking earlier, obviously, so when, so when did you start seriously like putting out content and seeing that? Not like, what, did that just happen gradually? Or do you know what? It's weird. And this again, this again goes back to what I've just said about you know being. I had no idea really. Yeah. So, so I've always been. Um, I've always been quite into like writing. Okay, um, fair enough. Even as a kid, and I, you know, I did English lit, lit you know, A level. I needed a degree in English literature actually. Um, and um, but then I got so I'd I'd launched Interview, yeah, um, and we'd started working with Sean, yeah, yeah. and and Amar and Mark yeah, yeah, at the yeah. time. I think it was just the three of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, and and they were like, you know, listen, you you know, you you've got a, you've got you've a CEO of a software company now. You've yeah. got to be doing some more stuff. So I wrote a post um, that went viral um, <laughs> back about eighteen months ago. So is that when you first started then? Pretty much. Oh shit! Okay. Pretty much. That's interesting. Yeah. So I started to pump out stuff, and then 
I was like, oh, you know, a bit embarrassed. Oh, yeah, yeah at I first, you get that. I, people get a bit, well, you get, and I'm, listen, I'm absolutely that guy, right? I was like, oh, do, do these people really want to hear from me or whatever? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you've kind of got to get over that. Yeah, you got to It's actually it. the same with video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you've, you, got you, you've got to go through that kind of uncomfortable phase. Yeah, yeah. And it's a self like anything. It's a validation thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like not feeling worthy. Mm. You know, people, you know, you get some people on Facebook who just don't give a shit, right? Yeah, they yeah, live yeah. their life on Facebook. Yeah. But then you get most people, and I'm, you know, I think it's a British thing, right? Yeah. It's a it's very British thing. It's stiff upper lip. Don't want to, you know, why not you wanting know, people to don't know want to be too showy. Yeah, 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 that's what it's about. Yeah. It's people are stressed out about being too showy. So anyway, did this, um, put this post up on LinkedIn. It was like my morning routine. Yeah, yeah. And fuck, I, le- I remember it to this day. I was lying in bed, 11 p.m., couldn't sleep, wrote this post, posted it, woke up the next day, yeah. 7.30 for work. And I think I had something like 2,000 likes. Yeah. And then... I couldn't believe it. Then it, went, <laughs> and then it just went and it went and it went and it went. Yeah. And so I think it finished on 35,000 likes, yeah. eight, eight or 9,000 comments, people sharing it. And, and, and then the phone just started ringing, right? The phone started the ringing. The phone started ringing or the, or the demo requests came in. Because what was happening is people were going, oh, people were doing what they do. They, you know, when you go into the dark hole of the internet, yeah. which is you click, you know, you start looking for like tomorrow's weather. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're Googling like, out, you know, out, out tall with Jesus. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. you just whatever. You know, you just you know. And so I ended up. Um, people were going, reading my post, clicking on my name, clicking on my company, clicking on my website, clicking on demo requests. Yeah, right, yeah. and and so I. So there was a clear correlation, without a doubt. Okay, and then we went, whoa, whoa, fucked. yeah, like this that Obviously, now it's hard, right? Because that was a that was obviously a you know a, a, a total stroke of good luck where yeah, yeah, yeah. this idea came came together. And I've had a few other, I've had a few other, um, nothing quite like that yeah, since, yeah. but a few other near misses um, since. And so, or not near misses, but you know, decent decent bits of content that's gone out. So that was the beginning of of me realizing. That I think I think to be fair, I know you said it was a stroke of good luck, but also I think. Just a stroke of like a real actually right. The fact that you recognise that it works early like really benefited where you are now. If you get what I mean, because a lot of people struggle. My advice to people is don't don't share content or create content with the expectation of getting something back when you first start. Because if you do that and you get one like or you don't get anything from it on the early days, you're going to be so discouraged to do anything. Do you get what I mean? So I think the fact that that happened quite early on yeah. is actually probably a really good thing. And, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then, and But of course, exactly that happens, mm. right? You go, fucking hell, mate, I am amazing at this. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, I'll just, every post I put out now is going to get 30,000 yeah, likes. Yeah, yeah. Then you put something else out and you get four likes yeah, and you yeah. go, oh, yeah. actually, you know, I, I, you know, so I think it's, you know, um, uh, Ga- you know the famous Gary Vee. Yeah, yeah. I think it is talks about you know jab, 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 punch. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you produce three bits of content focused around, um, you know, it could be any, um, sure, opinion, non- opinion yeah. stuff. You know, anything, Just right? Your story, anything. Um, and then obviously you hit them with something about your business. So it's about building a community. Yeah. You know, people say to me all the time. Right, it's you know either people I've never met yeah. tell me that they they love the stuff I do on LinkedIn, yeah. or um, people go I go on LinkedIn because I mean I, I always look I'll always look forward to, to the stuff you post, and yeah. so you go oh well actually you know that's, it gives you a bit of confidence, and obviously yeah. you know what it's like it's it's the dopamine loop right yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. get a, you get a buzz out of it exactly. you do it more you get a buzz the more you the more buzz you get the more you do that kind of stuff. yeah I know I think <clears throat> I'm excited to see what happens in also 2019 I think obviously there's probably a handful. Not loads of recruiters who have uh, who have clearly got built a brand for themselves and all that, but I think that there's just such a fucking huge opportunity for recruiters to really double down on that, mixed with picking up the phone, being proactive, all the normal stuff. Um, I just think it's such a, a huge opportunity that recruiters can really grab right now. Is is what we're talking about LinkedIn um, and sort of the first people who really sort of made the most of that. I think that that will that will hopefully happen over the next six twelve months, where if people really double down on their own brand in particularly in recruitment this isn't new to anything it, it works on all the different platforms building a personal brand but I think there's just a huge window of opportunity right now for recruiters to really double down on that um, but that, tra- that transitioned quite nicely into um, this video piece because that, that's where I, I started when I so when I worked in recruitment the light bulb moment that went off for me was right okay so I can pepper people on the database. I can call people off job boards. I can pepper people on emails and LinkedIn, all that. What the hell can I do to get hold of these people, the people that I can help? And then when I looked at my competitors, they were doing, online that is, they were doing nothing, like absolutely nothing. I was like, great, 
window of opportunity this is. And the first thing I thought w- was video. Um, I don't know why that is. I think for me, it's um, one. I'm okay at writing, but I'd rather. I'd think I'd rather just get my myself across. So um, the upside of jumping straight in front of a camera, and why I was comfortable to do that, was um, it was an opportunity to get who I am across in that, and that's that is my biggest asset when I'm speaking to candidates and clients is, is who I am, um, and I think a video best portrays that. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure you'll agree with that. But um, So I started with the video. What was interesting, when I first did my video about my story, and that, that's what I started with, obviously, you had to, uh, you had to upload it like, on YouTube, and then people had to click on that. So it's really interesting. I worked in recruitment when, obviously, the LinkedIn native video came out, and then, obviously, it just completely changed the the whole yeah. your LinkedIn news feed, which yeah. is really interesting. Um, but, and then, yeah, and then I, start, I just started just, and then, Again, that that those videos did really well, but I think I was, I was completely sold on video as soon as I started because it's just a no-brainer, particularly for for recruiters. And I think we were talking about this before, but again, it was my competitors weren't doing it, but also the amount of people I can call, get hold of, and meet in one day is limited. You can, you can only yeah. get hold of so many people, but you put a post out on LinkedIn, written video, whatever, it can reach. Fuck loads of people. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's just a yeah. no, just a no-brainer for me. But so how um this whole video video piece, which is I'm I'm a huge advocate of. What? How did that come about then? Within an interview, how did that come about? Um. So well, the, the idea for the business really came from us. Um. Well, listen, the, we started a recruitment agency. Yeah. Um, um, and we were, you know, just what the world needed, which was another IT recruitment agency in London. <laughs> we identified a, a shortage of those, yes. and we figured that another one of them would be great. <laughs> and what would be awesome if we made it really generic? So we thought, if if <laughs> if we um, if we don't do anything really that specific, that yeah. would that would really help us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think w- what actually happened um, is that we had this. Um, we had a candidate. Um, she was a business analyst working with a wealth management client. She'd been out of work for two years, raising yeah. a family, sent her CV over to the client, client rejected it. But I'd met this candidate, right? And you knew she was hot. She's amazing. She was, she was amazing, yeah. right? Absolutely amazing. But the client was like, oh, yeah, her regulatory experience won't be up to scratch, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, actually, that's wrong. This is why her regs, you know, this is what she's been doing yeah. in her own time. She was, I was like, trust me. And actually, Richard, my, my business partner, had also met her. And we were kind of going, listen, between us, we've got 25 years of recruitment experience, yeah? So if you meet her, yeah, trust us. And he did trust us met her and was like fuck she was amazing hired yeah. her on the spot yeah. and she ran as a contractor for two years yeah. and what we were saying at the time right is that essentially if you think about what goes on in the process i have a conversation with a client and and take loads and loads of information from that person yeah, yeah. i then have a conversation with a candidate and then and then i'm trying to basically tell everyone what everyone else, it's like chinese whispers yeah, right yeah, yeah. he said she said type stuff and we just basically said wouldn't it be amazing if instead of us trying to like you know that we just recorded both sides of that and yeah, let yeah. everyone hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. And then that's when we kind of went, oh, right, what? Well, yeah, that's a, that makes sense. Um, but at this point, obviously, we, we had absolutely no idea, idea that yeah. we were ever... I mean, mm. I mean, listen, you couldn't meet a, a, a less technical guy than me. Well, fuck, you know, you should see Rich. Um, <laughs> but, you know, between us, you know, we're not, we're not techies, we're recruiters, right? So we assumed we would just go out and buy the software in. And, and that's really how it all started because we went out to market and it dawned on us after six months and nine yeah, months yeah. of trying other products is that a product didn't really exist for what we wanted. Mm. That's, that's super interesting. Um, so I guess I'll be interested to get your point of view on this then because now I'm in this space of building relationships with recruitment agency owners and, and talking about the services that we have and stuff. What, how, where, where do you see um, the rec- sort of recruitment going? Like, because obviously you're now, so you spend, you now speak to recruitment agencies um, owners all day, right? Yeah, so, so that's what I mean. So you hear about the challenges that they're facing, you hear about um, their visions, all that. Where where do you think recruitment as a whole is going with like obviously technology like um, you guys have, and obviously there, there's AI being flown about everywhere and all that, right? So where where do you see this all going? So uh, I guess at a very high level, um, it's not it's not going to happen today I, th- I think there's two things to, to to understand is that there is some really amazing technology around mm. um amazing actually um but 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 the ones that i think will really fly are the ones that will um that will will support and, and help the recruiter to deliver more value yeah um in terms of where is it going um long term i think i think what you will probably see is 
I used to make people do something for me. And I used to say, right, I want you to go away and come up with, write down everything you did today. This yeah. was when I worked in recruitment. Yeah. And then tell me, I want you to tell me how much of that was unskilled, how much of that was medium skilled, and how much of that was highly skilled. Okay. Yeah. And what you would find is these people were doing lots and lots of unskilled work. That's so what do I mean by that, right? Well, actually, I've spent all day trying to find CVs on CW jobs that, for a job developer, right? Well, actually... That is that is pretty unskilled work, yeah. Because yeah? I'm, I'm looking for the words Java, Swing, yeah, 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 Eclipse, yeah. right? Actually, to pay somebody 25 grand a year in an office in central London to do that makes a, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think what you will see is we absolutely will see some of those unskilled jobs being being disintermediated by technology. Yeah. And do you know what? I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think that is. And I think what you will see, and of course I would say this, is that the parts of the role that it will allow the recruiter to focus on are the parts that can't ever be automated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's talking to another person, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a robot can do many things, but it can't have a conversation. Well, some people will tell you that it could, but it, it can't have a conversation with it. It can't have a human to human conversation. Yeah. And actually the reason that I believe that, 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 that will be the way I don't think technology will ever truly replace the recruiter is moving jobs is an, is an intensely human yeah, experience. For sure. And so, you know, it's not a, it's not a commodity like a pizza or a taxi where actually I don't really give a shit who my Uber driver is as yeah, long as yeah, he gets yeah. me from, you know, Bow Road to here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that for me is, is is where it's going. I think the companies that understand that will will, will adapt quickest. Um, and I fear, I, I do fear for the companies who um, who are still taking job specs, yeah, matching it with CVs yeah, exactly. and pumping CVs over a fence. Mm. I mean, that I think is a real, you've got to be asking yourself, is that enough value today? I probably yeah. not. What, so what's your advice for people who want to start with video and stuff? Like what's been the biggest, like, I think you, we said about that initial phase of being uncomfortable and all that. Like, do you have any tips for people who, who see that video everywhere and like, right, I should probably do a bit of video. What, what's your advice to, to those people? Um, so I think, um, it's definitely about getting, it's just about doing it. Yeah. So do you know what? I, Rich always tells, I think it's a good example. It's like making your first sales call. Yeah. And then yeah. when you, you know, you, you, you know, oh, hi, you know, talk, <laughs> talking dead quietly because yeah, you think everyone yeah, can yeah. hear you. Yeah, yeah. And actually by the end of it, nobody gives a shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same in our office now. I mean, we pump out, people are just pumping out intros, so intros are engagement tool. Yeah. People are pumping out intros all day. Especially every they day. record it and then it gets in the Yeah, so you, you yeah, exactly. So you you know, with intro you record yourself to camera. Yeah. You can then share that in a whole number of ways. And yeah, then you get, those, you get those analytics back yeah, about yeah, who's yeah. watched it. So that, that must be interesting, yeah, because obviously normally it's just people on the phone, but you're sitting next to everyone and they're just doing these, these videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, or, or yeah, Mike, because I've got I'm, I'm quite loud. Um <laughs> and I'm, so am I as bad. I've got and then and then somebody will be recording an intro and I'm going, Oi, oi and then <laughs> you know, and cause, I don't know because there's not enough milk in my coffee or something. You know, um, so so yeah, I think I think in terms of getting started, get it done. I think um, the, really interestingly, if you take a photo, if you look at your camera, yeah, on the iPhone yeah. it, or any phone, and I'll show you. Go on, yeah. So if I um, take a photo of us, yeah, yeah. Um, let's say you and me. I'll take a selfie with you and me right now. Yeah, go on. You can see that you're on the right hand side of the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I take that photo, you can now see you're on the left hand side of the screen. Okay. And that's because cameras are designed to present back to ourselves the image that we think we look like. Okay. And that's because we only are ever used to seeing ourselves in the mirror. And the reason that it does that is because if we looked at, we actually looked, we would never take a selfie. Yeah. So I think what you've got to understand is that what you look like in the mirror is not what you look like in real life. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And, and actually, it's a psychological thing about, yeah. about people. They, what they see on screen is not familiar. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. And so it takes some time before you go, oh, okay, I get that. I look like that now. Yeah. Now, some like Rich, for example, um, always thinks, you know, because he, he's bald, he hasn't got a side part in. Yeah. So he's like, he always thinks his beard looks wonky, bizarrely. Right? That's, that's his thing. Yeah. I always think my, my ears aren't level, right? So everyone has got something. Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. start to see yourself on camera, so the immediate reaction is, I look weird, I sound weird. Yeah? You don't. You look and sound. Because people go, oh, I, I don't look good on camera. I was like, okay, but you would go and meet a client, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think, right. I think, I think there's, there's a few things that I would say to people is that, you know, you've just got to get on with it and get yeah. over it. And listen, when it really boils down to it, I think everyone would agree that video is not going anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. here to stay. Oh, yeah, you know, the reality is that, you know, we every person is walking around with a 4K yeah, HD yeah. video I camera. I think also if you're a recruiter as well, it's like, 
look, like if you if you're willing to get uncomfortable and do these things, there are going to be a lot of your competitors aren't going to be willing to do that, right? And it, and it is a serious competitive edge to have if if you're going to be willing to do that and get in front of the camera. And as soon as you start seeing results. Without no a doubt, stopping you, do you know what without I mean? a doubt, and and when you know ca- passive candidate activation is a really interesting con- thing topic, yeah. right? Everyone we meet, what's your biggest problem? Finding great candidates. Yeah. Okay, great. So what do you do? Oh, we pump out loads of in mails. What do those in mails say? My client is a yeah, leading organization in industry X. Oh, are looking to hire. Fuck. I mean, people are just not bothered, right? Yeah. If I'm a Java developer, getting twenty of those a week. You know, the only people who are replying, yeah, is the guy who's actively looking for a new job. And you know what? We're not that interested in that candidate. However, if I send that guy a seven-minute interview of a hiring manager talking about why I should want to work in that organization. Game changer. Game changer. And so that, for me, is where we've seen video interviewing actually – the, the the candidate the recruiter and candidate that's only a very small part of, of really what it's used for these days because everyone tells us the same story you know yeah. what at the moment I just can't find candidates never mind interviewing them finding them is impossible yeah, yeah, yeah. and obviously that's where video is yeah, the, the, yeah that, that's really interesting actually yeah that, I, I like that so um, look before we um, wrap up then what I'm always interested to hear what what's been uh, what's been your lowest moment in your uh, career if it's in recruitment or since you started hitting interviews has there been a real tough moment that you've had to to get through yeah i think listen there's been loads and um i think certainly in recruitment i think we as an organization when i when i set up my own recruitment business um i think we found you know it is a you know it is a proper roller coaster yeah yeah and that roller coaster is intensified when you're a business owner I think the, the the difficult thing is, you know, we we struggled by for a long time bootstrapping it. So what I mean by bootstrapping is, you know, we didn't raise any money into didn't, it, yeah. we didn't raise any external funds. Yeah. And so every time we had some cash we tried to, you know, we you know, whatever. And so you only have a finite amount of resource. Yeah. And you've got to choose what you do with that. And and of course we were trying to build for the future, but you've also got to pay people in the in the in the here and now. And I think the, re- the st- I mean, the, um, I am um, my wife's from Spain, and uh, we would always go down to Spain um, in July and August. And I remember the amount of times I've been in Spain trying to have my summer holiday, and being utterly miserable. Really, because we're like, are we going to be able to make payroll? Oh. Yeah, and it's like summer's not an easy time, yeah, you know, yeah. because we're so highly leveraged on this future opportunity we're trying to we're trying to capture, and we believe in. Yeah. So you know, there's no doubt about. But, but you know, we, we were too young as an organization to get any external funding. Um, and so, you know, I think I think there are times when you just think, is this worth it? You know, I don't. And it, listen, of course, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but there are some really, really difficult times. And, and I think it's 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 really just the same experience. You know, you're a recruiter and, you know, you're on holiday and your deal drops out and yeah. you're, you feel powerless. Yeah. That's that's the that's the difficulty when you when you tr- when you really take your job seriously, um, which and lots of people do, you know, lots of people don't, but yeah. lots of people do. Um, you live and breathe the work you do, and yeah, I think yeah. that when it doesn't um, when it doesn't always work out the way you want, it, it it hurts. And 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 you know, so I think I think for me, you know, the other thing in recruitment is is, is you know you get the odd lever and and that's stressful, and you know, is that how what impacts that going to have on others and things like that and. But I think you thick you toughen up yeah, definitely. Um, to. So yeah, listen. I think probably the same experiences that everyone's had. You know, certainly every other every other business owner has had. Yeah. You know, making payroll, keeping people happy, trying to do a million jobs. But you know, I wouldn't trade it for for anything. Well, what's been a serious high for you, for you, for you then that you've experienced? I'm sure there's been a few, but any that spring to mind that yeah, you're really proud of? I think um, the two things that I would probably identify there was there was doing the deal we did it we did a deal with Harvey Nash yeah um, we were so we were a young business and they really believed in us and they backed us and and you know I'll be forever grateful for that yeah then we then did a deal with um, Michael Page yeah and that was another beast of a deal yeah yeah and, and all of a sudden it, it sort you sort of went these companies are taking it seriously now, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And actually you sort of thought all those sleepless nights and shit holidays in Spain, yeah. where, you know, I'm, I'm miserable are all kind of worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think on top of that, I think it's, um, it, it's always been, you know, when we, we raised them, um, we raised some money in, in, in the early part of this year, Russell Clements took over as chairman. We got some amazing, amazing investors. Yeah. in. 
and and you know these people are, are going yeah we we believe in you guys and that i think was probably the highlight yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Or, 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 yeah that was probably the highlight but but yeah just i guess just growing as a company and and, and settling down and, and and becoming a more mature business and not necessarily this kind of boom you know this this kind of boom and bust stuff we used to go through so much yeah, yeah. so what um What's going on in the world of interview then? What are you excited about? Anything to share? Yeah, so I think we've got um yeah, we've got some great stuff in the pipeline. We've got um we're working on our um our bullhorn integration oh, nice. um, currently. So that'll be a, a a big move, a big step forward. Um we've got um we've got some amazing customers, particularly in America. Oh nice. So I think we'll I think we'll probably be looking at getting out there in the near future. Um I think what we're seeing now is is you know our vision and our dream if you like is the a, re, a a world or a reality where video is the way that we the the job is done yeah, right yeah. and and if we can if we can work towards if that if that day dawns then then that would be that would mean that actually you know we had an idea we turned that idea into a prototype that prototype into a product product into a business and a business that actually changed an industry yeah changes and so, actually positively so, yeah changes I th- i'd like to think so yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so i think you listen you know it's more of the same we've got a really clear and well-defined strategy we've got some amazing people we've got so you know some amazing technicians and engineers working on the product we've got some amazing customers and helping those people to you know to really embrace video it's it's not you know i'm not trying to get everyone to tear up what they've always known we're just saying do the job you do today but just add a little bit of video in there and you'll see the benefits. Yeah, love so, it. Yeah. So look, before um, I let you go, mate, what, um, if, if, yeah, if you listen to these before, you'll, you'll know the question, but um, yeah, if you could communicate to every single recruit, they'd listen to Andy Simpson, um, they'd implement your advice. <laughs> Not sure that's such a good <laughs> idea. Mate. What, what would you say? It can be a sentence, it can be a word. What, what springs to mind? I, I, listen, I think video, when all's said and done, yeah, it, it all comes back to one thing, and that's the phone. Yeah, yeah, and so that you know the 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 video whether video warms up the call, the call gets you in front of them, and then you work your magic. Yeah, and so there's a lot of noise out there about oh this that and the other, but but for me. I firmly believe that every technology, all roads lead to Rome in the sense that every technology should really divert you into one thing, and that is getting on the phone and, and having a conversation with another human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, you, if, you, if you're trying to reinvent... Listen, I'm all for people reinventing recruitment, right? I, I support everyone, particularly British business, that try yeah. and do something a bit different, whether that's recruitment technology or, or recruitment generally. But, but, you know, old habits die hard. And actually, of all the recruitment companies that I visit, yeah... The ones that I see really killing it are the ones that have got this this high energy, noisy, you know, state, same old stuff. High energy, noisy sales floors. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't, I can't tell you any more than that. And so, yeah, I think for me, I think getting on top of that, um, getting top of video now is is a, is a great opportunity, um, and and you know to to really transform you know the way you tell your stories. But 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 telling stories is what it's all about. Love it. That's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for coming in. Thanks really a lot, man. It. Appreciate Cheers. it.